Good morning everybody, it's your Friday night DM, Shay Cormack. It's a sad day morning, we had a game of Dungeons and Dragons last night, and uh, hopefully I'll tell you about that in another episode. But uh, this episode is dedicated to a response I received from Barney. He's responding to my previous episode, and so this is a long uh, response from him, it's extremely interesting, and so I'm going to post that straight after this intro and leave it at that. Uh, I think it's thought-provoking, and I really hope maybe that I'll get some more responses both to my uh, episode and his response to it. Enjoy. Hi Shay. I hope I've got the right end of the stick in that you would be perhaps interested to hear my responses to your last episode. If that's not the case, you get my responses anyway. Um, you sounded well, things seem to be okay with you. I've come outside to a little park over the road from my house. So you get some birds. And just uh, to say that my children call this the Zauberwald, so the, uh, the magic, the magic wood or the magician's wood, or something like that. Magic wood. Um, so, here are my thoughts. I'll try, and, I'll try and keep them as short as possible, but I, I decided that I wouldn't... I wouldn't tie myself down to the anchor limits. And you raised quite a few different points that uh, got me thinking. In, in your last episode creative kickback I think you called it knockback and some some neighbours also uh, doing their family business there so 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 I I completely understand and appreciate all of the points that you raise um, I think my perspective is quite different. So that is interesting in that um, we could, one, as, as role-play gamers, as game masters, as players, we can perhaps get to the same place, the same place of enjoyment, thrill and creativity through very different mindsets and processes. So, so this response is um, okay, openly different to yours, uh, but not in conflict, I would say. So yes, of course, it's very sad to hear that you lost a player and that that knocked you down a little bit and got you having to reconsider a little bit. Yeah, I guess I don't have too much to say about that, except that it's interesting in terms of the people that you caught if you like, to play in your games in the first place or that caught you to play in your games 
um, in the sense that you don't necessarily end up with with people who don't fit. Um, but uh, you know, you've got a you've got a regular group, so uh, my my hat goes off to you. I've got nothing to say on on that front. I play as, just as often as I can with as many people as I can. Okay, the the art question. Role play gaming as 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 art. I have a background in art and in film and perhaps more specifically art history and film studies and that kind of thing so a bit academic but also practical I've, I've done a few things as an artist and as a filmmaker an artist filmmaker I would say but that's, that's that feels like a long time ago in some ways in other ways not it's always bubbling around in there um so i suppose given that you say that you're you, you you've never trained as an artist um your your take on it then is or my take on it is different to yours having done those things a bit more um 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 First of all, I think, I think there's an issue about critical discourse. So, an artist, of course, can just produce stuff for themselves and for their parents, as you mention it, or, or for their friends, a very small group of people. And yes, that is often the way it is. But often, even then, the, the way that that is taken seriously even by those small groups or that one even chooses to put something out publicly it has something to do with critical discourse where does it fit what's the what's the what's the stake what's the debate uh that the work contributes to and that is i think a shift that's taken you know taken many years to to manifest if you like but but it kind of partially at least goes against the idea of just pure creation that one just simply produces creatively now that might that might happen or that might be part of what's what's going on but uh another part of that is is how the work relates to this critical discourse or multiple critical discourses and what i've really enjoyed about the whole gaming community or the different gaming communities is that there there is that there is that aspect to it all that there is the critical discourse and there is the creative practice of gaming so there's the theory if you like and the practice and so i found that very very uh hmm, what's the word um familiar I found it very familiar to things I've done more of in the past in that artistic and creative sense 
Um, there's also issues about power relations. And that's something I think that will come through my words now. Um, the, the critical discourse is about generating, if you like, new categories of good and bad, uh, interesting, boring, etc., etc., whatever, those kinds of things. Uh, but also then how galleries, for example, relate to that, or publishers, let's say. So there's a, there's a power relation there between between artist and curator, artist, curator and institution, artist and public, curator and institution and public, uh, public money, uh, funding, collecting, collectors, the collectability, the value of, of art. Um, so often what one says the brand, the kind of the way the brand speaks, is 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 partly through the critical discourses, and partly through the work produced. Sometimes the two at the same time, if you like, and that uh, that plays out a role within these complex power relations, one way or another. Uh, but I shan't go into that in any more detail um, however leading on from that my next point is that there's this question of adversariality the adversarial uh, structure so as I've just said with the power relations between different players different factions different uh, actors in all of this, they could be construed as being in adversarial positions relative to each other, where they're competing, clashing, avoiding each other, uh, separating themselves from each other, those kinds of things. And I think this is a very important element when it comes to role-play gaming so this idea of the adversarial in your episode Shay you you talk a little bit about about the relationship between the GM and the players um, and you set up a lot of what the GM does and what the GM is responsible for and if you like then what the players are responsible for or the the agency of the players, the agency of the game master. And my feeling is that perhaps unintentionally, unintentionally or accidentally, you've, or maybe deliberately, you, you, you perceive that relationship in an adversarial way. Now, that is absolutely one of the big, big parts of the game. You've got the GM providing the NPC uh, action, pressure. You've got the, the worldly occurrences coming from the GM. And the players have to push against that, battle against that. So that is absolutely adversarial. 
no question about it. But I do think that that's at the that's at the that's at some kind of play level or game level, and I think an an interactional level the very opposite needs to be in play, that everybody needs to feel comfortable and relaxed and happy to accommodate uh, and and also to challenge, but to do that in a non-adversarial way. So, if you like, the more adversarial the game is, the less adversarial the relationship between the GM and the players should be, I think. That's my opinion. So rejecting the uh, adversarial model at an interpersonal level. Now, that then constructs that relationship between the GM and the players very differently, in my mind, to how you presented it. Um, So having been a bit involved in film and film studies uh, the, the the nearest I would want to equate playing well, well yeah yeah okay I don't I don't feel terribly comfortable with the analogy of the film and the role play game I can see that it has a lot of use and and all of that but personally I I'm not so sure if as you put it, the GM is doing everything, doing all of that work, then that would equate to a, a, an independent film, an artist's film, an experimental film, where the, uh, the filmmaker, the artist, works basically alone. They're doing everything. They're doing the script, the costumes, the camera work, everything. And in that case, you could even push it and say, well they should even be the actor themselves. Now, if you think of experimental animated films, animations, um, there are no actors. There's animated drawings. So maybe that would be where my mind would would lead. Um, Maybe doing a bit of soundtrack music and poetry or something. I don't know what. Um... The minute that you have more people working on your film, costume, script, camera people, all of those things, um, it's, 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 in a sense, very much more collaborative. Again, there are power relations in there, absolutely. And at different times, different people need to be able to say, no, yes, do it again, etc., now you have the example that if the if the film sucks, ultimately that lands on, on the door of the director. I don't think it is that simple because actors can have uh, uh, script control. Um, producers can step in. Directors can be replaced. Scripts can be rewritten on the fly whilst filming is taking place. They can even be finished in post-production. 
so what am I saying? I'm saying, oh, you know, directors can lose control of the final edit for whatever reason. Like, they've, they've gone over budget, they've gone over schedule, um, or test audiences hated it. I don't know what. Um, so there are lots of reasons why, you know, active power systems can push a film even even artworks down uh perhaps should we say less than productive directions and i mean a great example of this was 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 the last exorcist film where paul schrader the great the the theoretically great sometimes great paul schrader um made one film uh, then the the studio completely pulled it and then got the, uh, Rennie Harlan who one might recall from I think some Die Hard films uh, Cutthroat Island and uh, The Long Kiss Goodbye Goodnight with Gina Davis, who he was married to at the time, or something like that. Um, so, basically, an action movie director, um, and so he then remade the film, uh, or made his own version of that film. Um, the studio then put that out, and it flopped so badly that they kind of quietly realised that they might have be able to regain a bit of cash and kudos by putting out the Paul Schrader film again which had been applauded by Siskel and Ebert if that means anything to anyone here now Um, and of course both are now available so you have this kind of these two parallel versions of what is it I don't know I guess is it Exorcist 4 is it the fourth one uh, something like that, anyway. So, um, what am I getting at there? What am I getting at there? Um, I, I guess I'm just trying to say that, from in my way of thinking, the film analogy isn't so helpful. And I think here's the crux of it: is I don't see GMing as being. I, I don't see those things that you ascribe to GMing being completely my responsibility. So, um, and this is where I think the adversarial model creeps in to what you're saying in the episode. I don't even think about it in those terms that we are talking about setting up success or failure. Uh, or that um, I have to have the overview or the, 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 the ultimate plan um, ready to dish up to the players who then judge whether it's any good or not. That is fundamentally not how I think about it. I think it's about having a group of interested parties, each of who have a good enough sense of, of how the game will proceed, and um, then part of pl- the play 
is um, is negotiating all of that. Um, so it's really not about getting my players to give me a score as to how well I've done at entertaining them or something like that. We're, we're all much more actively involved in it. And that, I think, comes, comes back to this topic that you talked about of uh, the pub, using published modules that the, that the game master can, if you like, hide behind the published module um, and everyone will let them do that um, and play along with this idea that because it is published, because it's been published by the mighty wizards of the coast, who are we to question it? That was kind of your, your sentiment in the, the piece. And this again comes back to the power relations thing. Um, that something that is published, sold millions of copies, etc., 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 is kind of somehow untouchable, and that as a GM you can take a break from the scrutiny um, by 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 hiding behind that power screen. Um, I don't know. I, that makes me that makes me feel a bit uncomfortable in the sense that. One of the great things I've, I feel about role-playing is that there is that potential to just open it up and be far more egalitarian with the type of creative activities that we do. So the GM is not the artist compared to the players who are the audience. Everybody Everybody is audience, everybody is artist, everybody is allowed to share in the, the creative power that is being enacted, reinforced, and so on. Nobody is being subdued, nobody's being judged, uh, critiqued. Uh, and that's not to say that you can't have a post-game or a pre-game or an in-game debate about how something is going. It's, you know, that, of course that's really important, but it's not about personal criticisms in that sense. And of course, of course, I think, oh, I could have done these things better. Or I think, oh, that the system could have worked better for me. Um, yeah, so, so you know, you, you, you say that GMs should take responsibility for the whole shebang or get out of the kitchen. Um, and, and I, you know, as I said at the beginning, I don't, I don't at all disagree with anything that you've said in the episode. Um, I just have a different take on the same things. So I do agree with that. And at the same time, my point is, as we are redefining power relations and sidestepping adversarial interactions, um, thinking actively about critical discourses and having a lot of fun, 
whilst doing so. Um, I don't feel that it's about sole responsibility. Um, because, because we're all in the kitchen, I think. But people have different roles, you know, a GM, the GM is a different role to inhabit than a player, for sure. But that doesn't mean that necessarily that one, one holds the keys to power more than the other. I think everyone's got to um, share them and take it in turns and You know, yeah, make it make it interesting for everybody. It's got to be interesting for the GM, and it's got to be interesting for the players. I think I've come to the end of my long, long message, Shay. So I hope this is something like you wanted, and um, thanks for the little prompt in that manner and thanks for your episodes as always very thought provoking and nice to hear see you bye